Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please feel free to follow us and share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. And of course, if you have any thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode, let us know. Talk with us on Twitter at, at Cisco Champion. All right, today we are talking about the new Cisco Catalyst 9500X and how it can help you with your ever increasing bandwidth needs now and in the future to guide our conversation and help us uncover all what we want to know. We have champions Len, Pat, and Tim. And as our resident experts, we have Iqbal and Nanad. So without further ado, let's get started with meeting our wonderful panel. Len, I'm going to start with you. Hey, good morning, Amy. Thank you. My name is Lynn Ledford, and I uh, live in the Pacific Northwest, and I work for a company named Serium Networks as a solutions architect. So thanks for having me today. Thanks for being here. All right. Pat, you're up next. What do you do? Yes. Hello, uh, Pat Allen. I am a senior network architect for Customers Bank, and I am here on the East Coast, about an hour north of Philly in Pennsylvania, and I am also one-third of the co-host of uh, Breaking Down the Bytes podcast. So we help uh, folks that are just breaking into the IT industry um, you know, try to break down some of those walls, insider information, things of that nature. Um, but if you're a seasoned vet as well, we have some episodes that are there for, for you as well. So come join us and come hang out. So I'm happy to be here. It's my first time. So thanks for having me. I am so happy to have you. I'm glad we finally got you on the podcast. Yes. All right. <laughs> okay. And of course, Tim Bertino, I have to say both of your first and last names because it just, it just flows really, really <laughs> smoothly. So, all right. What do you do, my friend? Thank you, Amy Lee. I am Tim Bertino. I am a senior systems architect and manager focusing on networking communications infrastructure in the healthcare space. And I also co-host the Art of Network Engineering podcast. All right. Okay, on to our Cisco experts, Iqbal and Anad. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Can you tell us who you are and what you do at Cisco? Yep, I'll go first. Uh, hello, good morning, everyone, and hello, Emily. Uh, so I'm Iqbal Sayed. I'm a senior manager of product management for Cisco Catalyst 9K series of products. Uh, and uh, I have uh, been in Cisco more than 18 years. I've worked across many different products at Cisco. And for last year, year and a half or so, I've been focused on the Catalyst 9K series, specifically focusing on the core portfolio of Catalyst 9K. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. All right. Hello. 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 Uh, I'm a technical marketing engineer, and uh, I primarily look at the, the Catalyst 9K portfolio. And in the Cat 9K portfolio, I focus on the core side, so the 9500 series and the 9600 series. On a technology front, I look at the QoS and smart licensing, as well as NetFlow and some of the other telemetry uh, uh, features that we have. Uh, I've been in Cisco for, uh, I, I just finished 13 years yesterday. So I've been in Cisco for 13 years. I've been involved mostly with Catalyst switching throughout the years with just a pinch of Nexus on the side. So yeah, that's about me. All right, okay. Well. Iqbal, kicking it back to you, um, can you help us kick off the conversation with a little bit of background? Absolutely. Um, so I'll uh, give you a little bit of history and then I'll talk about uh, some of the new innovations we are doing in the core uh, portfolio. 
so as you guys uh, all know, uh, we've had our legacy series of products, um, you know, back in the days, Catalyst 2K, 3K, 4K, 5K, 6K, all of those. So about five years ago or so, we brought everything under one umbrella, which is a Catalyst 9K umbrella. And here uh, we have sort of Catalyst 2K became Catalyst 9300, 3K became 90, uh, sorry, 2K became 9200, 3K became 9300 and so on and so forth. The advantage of bringing everything under one umbrella is for us to simplify development work as well as for our customers to be able to have a consistent product portfolio across, right? Where, where basically we have a common CPU, common IOSXE operating system, and common ASIC across all of these products, right? Now, specifically focusing on the core platform here, we had the Catalyst 5K and Catalyst 6K back in the days, and those became Catalyst 9500 and 9600 now, about five years ago or so, right? And uh, we have just launched in the core portfolio, the Catalyst 9500 is actually a fixed series of products. And in the 9500, uh, we have had two sort of portfolios. One is a 9500H, what we call is H. And uh, and then we have uh, last year or so, we have launched 9500X. What X series brings is the Silicon One based portfolio. And we'll talk a little bit more about Silicon One. So uh, to, in today's topic, we are want to focus on this new uh, platform, which we just launched in the 9500X series, which is the 9500X 60L4D platform, which packs in 60 ports of 10, 25, 50 gig, uh, and four uplinks of 400 gig in a compact one RE form factor. So I'll, I'll jump right in here. So the, the non-X or the H series that you called it, 9500 series, has been yep. around for a number of years in the Cisco portfolio now. What are some of the differences and benefits from the 9500X series compared to the non-X or the, the H9500 series? Is it mainly that ASIC difference? Is it, um, is it additional throughput? Is it a combination of things? What are, what are some of those additional capabilities in the X that we don't get in the H? Yeah, so Ninat, I'll start and maybe you can chime in um, later. Sure. But uh, yeah, so great question there, Tim. So 9500H and 9500X, both products complement each other, right? The H series is basically for our customers um, who, who have a very standard set of uh, scale, buffer, uh, port density kind of requirements, right? And this is, I would say, bulk of our customers are like that, right? Um, but there are other good set of customers who require this relatively higher buffer, relatively higher scale, and relatively higher density uh, of ports, right? So this is where Silicon One is actually bringing in a lot of innovation, right? So as opposed to a 9500H, where we actually had to clap multiple of our UADP ASICs to, you know, form a switch. Um, in the case of Silicon One, Silicon One on day one provides 12.8 terabits of uh, capacity, which means that now we can actually build our products with single ASIC, um, simplifying the architecture of networks and also bringing in the power efficiency and all of that because we are just dealing with one single ASIC now, right? Now, in, uh, when it comes to scale, right, this is actually a big contrast between what 9500H can provide and 9500X can provide. And I'll let Ninad maybe add a few points here to talk about scale and specifically what Silicon One brings to the table. Absolutely. So, uh... Adding to what Iqbal just said, right? Just think of it like, like if you look at the the six K, the cat six the six K portfolio that we had in the past, we had a Excel variant and we had a non Excel variant. So that's sort of what we're trying to achieve with Cisco Silicon One offering as well. So we had the UADP based 
edge series for switches to cater to the non-XL uh, migration part. So customers looking to migrate from their six, uh, from the 6K non-XL variants, they could migrate to the 9500 high performance or the head series. And now with the X series, we are now catering to the those customers who were using the XL variant of those platforms as well. So just quickly touching touching some touching up on some of the scale features that we were talking about. Uh, the marketer scale has increased from 128,000. It's doubled now to 256,000 on when you compare the UADP three and the Cisco Silicon one. Similarly, if you take a look at the IP route scale, we're increasing it all the way from we're increasing it from 256,000 all the way up to two two million right now. So as you can see, we're drastically we are actually increasing the scale by quite a bit. And I think you brought up a very important point. Is it just the ASIC that we're talking about when we say the differences between the uh, the edge series and the X series are? Uh, the ASIC is a fundamental component uh, which is powering it because this ASIC was designed with specific use cases in mind, uh, with specific uh, uh, features in mind that we wanted to provide to a customer. And that's essentially we'll touch upon it as the as the podcast progresses. But essentially, long story short, what we're trying to do with the ASIC, what we're achieving with this ASIC is we're merging not only the routing silicon, we're merging this is the switching silicon as well. Because on paper, the requirements look very similar, but when you actually dig into it, the requirements are quite different between the two. So finally, what we have is we have a very flexible ASIC that can not only cater to the routing requirements, it can also cater to the switching requirements. Oh, that's pretty impressive. You know, as we move our speeds, if I what read the data sheet, it looks like this will do 50 gigs per port, right? So once we've moved from say 10 gig, 25 gig, now we're up to 50 gig, what kind of buffering and switching latency do we have with this new silicone? Yeah, I, I can take that question and that's a very good question because we have a unique challenge with us when we talk about this is silicone one based platforms, simply because you can have a port that where traffic is coming in at 400 Gbps, for example, and traffic is going out at 10 Gbps, creating a massive mismatch between the incoming traffic and the egressing traffic. So what we have with Cisco Silicon One is we have a unique buffering system where we have a two level buffers, right? We have the primary buffers with this 80 MB of primary buffers. And this is responsible for ensuring that the packet gets switched out with as minimum latency as possible. But there may be certain use cases where you want to ensure that the packet goes out no matter what, and you're not really bothered about the latency that gets introduced onto these packets. So in order to cater to these packets and in order to cater to the, the burstiness that, that is inherent with some of the traffic types, we have the second buffering system, which is an on-demand buffering system that we call the high bandwidth memory or HBM for short. Now this is eight gigabytes of on-demand memory. So the SMS is going to take a call, the primary buffer system, the SMS is going to take a call like, hey, if I can't handle this amount of traffic that's coming in, and if it is not a priority traffic that we need to switch out with the highest amount of priority, then I'm going to switch and I'm going to rely upon the high bandwidth memory on the second buffering model. So it is going to take a call to send the packet to the secondary buffering system to ensure that the packet is not dropped, but it's queued at, at a reduced latency, obviously, because when we talk about buffering inherently, the deeper the buffers go, you are going to introduce latency, but this is specifically for packets where you're okay with latency being introduced. For all packets where you want high latency, the primary buffering is going to take care of that. You know, follow that up. I mean, video and voice, obviously, we we don't want to introduce the latency. So is Absolutely there application not. visibility involved to help you figure out what your queuing is um, in the QoS models? I mean, again, a, a wonderful question. So we don't have application visibility on any of our core portfolios. So whether you look at our UADP-based offerings, whether it is your 9500 high-performance series or supervisor engine one, and even with the uh, the Silicon One-based platforms, which is those 
96 are a supervisor engine 2 and the 9500 series x which we're talking about right now we don't have application visibility uh, the head series what they do is they use the dacp values to determine the, the priority uh, here what we're doing is we're using a virtual output queuing system so uh, we have traffic classes so we range the traffic classes range from traffic class 7 all the way down to traffic class 1 uh, with 7 being uh, with traffic class 0 sorry so traffic all the way from 7 to traffic class 0 so traffic class 7 being the highest priority which corresponds to your voice traffic traffic class 6 being the second highest priority which corresponds to your video traffic and it just reduces in order of priority with class default sitting at traffic class 0 excellent i guess my sort of uh, to jump in here to the to the frame um at least where where i'm at and i, I know a few other companies as well they're moving towards uh, you know they have a large cisco portfolio they're moving towards dna center right to kind of bring these under one umbrella and a nice gui and you know things of that nature um and i i'm assuming these uh, are like a zero touch provision out of the box you can send them right to right to wherever the site is and plug them in and they call home and you know good to go there so dna is it's it's compatible with with the dna center going forward correct it is it is compatible with the dna center perfect perfect as far as so as, as far as folks that have you know say a 9300 or 9400 things of that nature uh so are, are there some benefits to moving towards the 9500x uh, outside of like end of life or speed needs for you know your existing environment right are there other benefits to moving towards the 9500x series uh, than what you sort of have now so so let me let me take that one you know um, so 9,300 9, and 9,500 are actually products for two different uh, layers of network, right? So 9,300 is primarily focused on the access layer. So you'll have sharp differences when it comes to what these products have to offer uh, to our customers, right? Obviously because of the layers of the network they play in, right? The access layer um, is where the 9300 plays in. So you'll see in the 9300 portfolio, your port density will range anywhere from, let's say, one gig, you know, m gig, which is basically 2.55, and all of that, up to 10 gig. Uh, and you'll see 25 or 100 gig uplinks in the in case of 9300, right? And obviously, that is catering to all of the newer technologies. So even in the 9300, we have 9300 and 9300X now which is now adding capabilities such as, um, you know, uh, one terabit of stacking and things like that. Previously also 9300 had stacking capabilities, but those those all mostly are access features, right? Now, when it comes to core, we are completely different, right? Because now you're aggregating traffic from your access to a distribution and to a core, right? So obviously the need for speed um, or need for density in the core is much, much higher than what an access layer would require. So here you'll have, um, you know, ports ranging from 25, 50, uh, um, you know, 10, 25, 50 gig, and and then you'll have your uplinks on 100 and 400 gig. So that is where the, the focus would be, right? Similarly, in terms of scale, uh, you'll have big differences in what 9300 can offer versus 9500 can offer because sure. one is an access product and one is... That, that makes sense. Um, can we Can we touch on some of the... I don't want to say differences, but can we compare the Nexus stuff and the 9500s? I know that was sort of brought up, and um, you know, not to shoot down one or the other, but you know, are there some are there some similarities to to them? Yeah. So, uh, not uh, feel free to chime in. Let me take a stab at it. So, um, uh, the, I would say, you know, when it when you technically speaking, both of these products, you know, can 
actually catered to either of the networks, right? So Nexus can play in, in, the, in the enterprise campus environments and, and vice versa. Um, although the focus of the feature or uh, the feature development focus is quite different between the two, right? Because data center has different feature needs and campus has completely different feature needs, right? Um, similarly, when it comes to, if you see how a campus network is built versus a data center network is built, you're, usually your data center is contained in a data center environment, right? Meaning it's one big access facility where, you know, all of your data center servers are located and things like that. Campus on contrast is completely different, right? Campus are distributed across, you know, many buildings, you know, across regions a lot of times as well, right? So there is a, a lot of focus on copper ports, for example, right? Um, IDFs, MDFs. So it's a completely different ball game when it comes to how campus networks are built. So the focus of the features, um, uh, you know, the focus of, you know, how what number of fiber ports versus copper ports will be there in campus will be a lot different than what you'll see in a data center environment, right? And then obviously I talked about the feature set as well. And then now you have to add anything? No, I think you did a good job just nailing the issue on the head. Uh, what I would just say is, like Iqbal mentioned, the boxes are mostly interchangeable. And even if you look at the offerings in terms of port densities and speeds, you would notice a little bit of overlap between the products portfolios that we have. Uh, the difference lies in where the boxes are positioned and how this applies to you would typically be if you were to request for a particular feature on a particular box. So we categorize our features into either a campus feature or a data center feature. Now a data fit, you're going to find it difficult to get a data center feature prioritized for a campus box and vice versa. So I've got a nuts and bolts question. So we're moving to 50 gig. And I notice in the data sheet that this is just a standard SFP 50 gig module, right? I know I have 25 gig modules. You know, I can buy, you know, 60 ports of, of fiber and spend more on optics than I did the switch, right? So how does this play into where we're going with this new protocol of 50 gig and, and what's special about 50 gig? You want to take that, Nenad? Yeah, sure. So, uh, again, great question, right? Uh, what we're trying to do, so if you recall, we did something similar when we had the 40 and 100 quick QSOP form factor, where we had dual rate optics. Uh, the optic could operate both at 40 as well as 100. We're doing the same thing with 50 gig. So these are dual rate optics as well. So you can operate at, actually these are triple rate optics because they can operate at 10, 25, and 50, right? Uh, essentially what we're doing is, you can invest today or whenever you get the OPEX or the CAPEX uh, funds, you can invest uh, by by uh, purchasing the SFPs today. And tomorrow down the line, you simply have to upgrade your, uh, uh, you simply have to upgrade the remote site, all right? Whenever your end servers get the capability for 50 gig, when, when you upgrade your servers at a later point on the line, you don't have to make any upgrades on your site. You can simply make an upgrade on the remote side and you can use the same cabling infrastructure. You can use the same SFP that you're using today and you can get the full benefits of the increased bandwidth. You know, I was just going to add as well that, um, you know, I mean, you not talk about, um, you know, connecting to endpoint, but I'll say, I'll also say that even within your network as well, right? When, uh, you know, on a, on a core level, a core layer, usually you'll have uh, things like SVL, like stackwise virtual link, which basically is uh, connecting the two uh, core switches together, you know, making them a, a single entity and things like that, right? So what we see usually is our customers now, 
because both sides are usually similar box. So if it's a 9500 here, you'll have a 9500 here or a 96 and 96, right? So usually these are similar. So you, now you can actually upgrade that link right away actually to 50 gig. So thereby doubling the capacity of your SVL links without changing your infrastructure at all. So same cabling infrastructure which you had before, now you just got double the bandwidth between your uh, SVL links, right? Uh, similarly, I'll also add that uh, right now it doesn't, but eventually, like very soon, you'll see 9300 also come up with a 50 gig offering. And when that happens, now you can actually completely upgrade your network to 50 gig from 10 or 25 gig, thereby doubling or tripling the capacity uh, of your network, right? Again, without much of a change in the infrastructure. The only thing which is changing here is basically you're buying a 50 gig optic, but otherwise you're not changing anything at all, right? So just wanted to add that yeah just adding one tiny point to the svl point that iqbal brought up uh, typically what we see today is we see our customers make use of their uplink ports for the svl because you need the high bandwidth so your customers end up using your 100 gig links or your 40 gig links yeah. to build the svl connections and essentially because your uplinks are typically limited when you compare to the downlink ports uh, you're left with very few ports to play around with for your normal use cases so one of the advantages of 50 gig that has unlocked today, right from day one, is that you can use 50 gig to build your SVL and dual active links. Uh, and that frees up your uplinks for your normal use cases. Exactly. Great point, Ninat. So I want to follow that up with, so, I mean, we've got a Formula One car here, right? Running 50 gig, 25 gig, but I've got customers that are still running one gig copper and one gig fiber, you know, are, are we going to support that? Because in the reality is inside a factory, I mean, I've got customers that still have OM1 fiber plant. And we have to support that, right? And we even are connecting IoT devices back at 100 meg. So I, I realize that a machine built for 50 gig may not be backwards compatible. Have we made any, is there anything we can do for that customer that still needs, you know, the Formula One car and the old pickup truck? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Uh, so, yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, as much as we are trying to go from 10 to 25 and now 25 to 50 gig, uh, we still have quite a few of our customers still running one gig. And and that is a very relevant question because this is the kind of thing which our customers will ask us pretty much on a daily basis, right? So uh, the 9500X platform, the 60L4D platform, which is um, we are focusing on today, doesn't natively do one gig uh, because, you know, the, the CERDIs itself are 10 gig and beyond, right? But what we are doing is we are coming up with a special adapter with a special optic, um, right? And um, I, I can look up the the pit for you. But basically, those it will have a, a long, a short reach and a longer reach as well, and it will be available in both the reaches. And and basically, that optic will actually utilize your 10 gig port. It will consume a 10 gig port and will offer you one gig, basically. So yes, the one gig support is coming very soon on these platforms. Great question. I'd like to shift to some of the on-box features for a minute. The 9500X has hardware support for application hosting. Can you provide any insight on what types of applications customers are hosting on the 9500X or maybe what types of requests that came in from customers to, to push this uh, application hosting support? Uh, I can take that, right? Uh, so we have, uh, so I don't know if you're aware, uh, 
but we have a tie up with thousand eyes when it comes to the 9300 and the 9400 so if you were to purchase a 9300 box with the dna advantage license or a 9400 box with the dna advantage license you would get a free thousand eyes license uh, for you to perform your tests using that box uh, we don't have a similar tie up with the 9500 but a common request that we got with respect to with application hosting was to host thousand eyes application on the core box rather than on the access box to run the troubleshooting uh, or the visibility segment of the thousand eyes section so uh, as of right now we don't have a tie up with thousand eyes so you're not going to get free thousand eyes units but the application hosting what it does is essentially the end goal of application hosting is to expand the the, the feature functionality of the box using uh, hosted applications and thousand eyes is an application that we see a lot of requests from the field uh, so if you have a 9300 you can use those licenses on any box that you have so you, or you can make use of that license that you have with the 9300 or the 9400 switch but you can host your application on the 9500 so that's just one example that we see quite a uh, quite a few asks from our end customers okay and and then as far as management pat had brought up dna center earlier I did see that um, looking at the data sheet, the non X 9500 series shows that it has the Meraki cloud monitoring option. Is that something that also exists with the 9500 X or is it, is it maybe a feature that's coming in the future? So the, uh, uh, well, I'll just start up and you can just pitch in if, yeah. you, uh, if, if I miss any point. Uh, so the Meraki cloud monitoring is something that's still in its infancy, right? We are bought it up for a, small subset of our switches as of today. So uh, we have a few models on the 9300 side, we have some models on the 9500 side, uh, which support the Meraki monitoring. Uh, the end goal is to have uh, most of our portfolio or almost all of our portfolio be managed on the Meraki cloud, but it's a journey. Uh, so we don't have timelines to share at this particular point in time, but it is a journey and we are committed to making the journey. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add that, you know, this is, um... Uh, again, a, a very common ask from a lot of our Meraki customers, um, you know, or our Catalyst customers who are also using Meraki is, you know, when can my Catalyst portfolio be seen on a, or can be seen on a, on a Meraki dashboard, right? So this is very uh, a top of mind for us. And like Nenad mentioned, right, this is a journey. So we have a, a few platforms which are doing, you know, the Meraki right now from the Catalyst portfolio. And eventually the goal is to actually cover entire catalyst portfolio under meraki dashboard <clears throat> so i have a question around usability right so obviously the even though we're using different silicone we're still using the same ios image correct correct with all the great features so all my patch management all my upgrades upgrading a 9500x is just like upgrading an older 9500 with ssl or what is it vss and staple switch over and all that working together right not going to drop a packet so iss so i think the the feature that you're that you're talking about is issu and we will uh, typically speaking issu is from uh, we have uh, when we look at the image releases that that we that we put out we have what is called an extended maintenance and what what we call a standard maintenance and uh, every third build is typically your extended maintenance which is you can think of it as a long-term support image right or your lts image that's typically what's seen in your linux distros for example we have an lts image and we have a bleeding edge uh, top of the line image. Similarly, we have what we call the extended maintenance and we have the standard maintenance. And every third image, for example, the 17.3 train, the 17.6 train, and the 17.9 train would be your uh, extended maintenance. 
So ISSU is coming with 17.12 because we released this switch uh, in 17.10. So the earliest extended maintenance release would be 17.12. And we have ISSU support only on extended maintenance releases. And I just want to circle back to a very great point that you brought up, right? Uh, we are using a different ASIC over here, uh, Cisco Silicon One Q200 ASIC. But I just want to highlight that the iOS XE was flexible enough that we could have a single iOS XE image power not only our UADP based platforms, but also a Cisco Silicon One Q200 based platforms. Uh, so you get all the benefits that we spoke about when we when our entire family was composed of UADP. We had the single binary image. We had the single, you, you download one image, you certify that image, you load it anywhere you want in your network. That still holds true. Even though we have changed under the hood, we have changed the ASIC, that still holds true. And that makes day-to-day -day maintenance so much easier, right? My wireless LAN controller all the way up to my 9500X core or my 96 core, right? They're running the same image. So it's just one right. image to get security to agree on, right? Right. What about programmability, you know, using Yang models or any of the other types of automation if you're not using DNA centers? Is this still compatible? Uh, sorry, yes, uh, I can take that, yes. Uh, we support the full suite of Yang models that we have been supporting on our high performance series of switches. There are a few tweaks with some of the leaves because to compensate for the changes in the way the readings work. Uh, but most of your Yang models are 90% of your line models will work the way they used to work as before. As far as this being a campus uh, switch, um, is there, uh, can this be, I don't say doubled, but uh, can can this be used in like an SD-WAN footprint for, for Cisco or Viptela? Or do you recommend another model? Because right now we're at the 8500s and 8500Ls. So I'm just curious as far as like, okay, is the 9500X or, you know, maybe a 9500 non-X, is that the, the, the next version or, you know, whenever our end of life is for the 8500s, whenever that day is, I don't have that off the top of my head, but could this be doubled as a SD-WAN box when that time comes, or is there something else that you would recommend? So again, this goes back to the discussion that we had uh, when we compared our catalyst boxes with our Nexus boxes, right? Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> right. So it, it goes back to the same discussion. Uh, most of our products are interchangeable. If you look at it, yes, okay. you could. But from a feature perspective, is it going to support SD WAN? You're going to have, you're going to find it difficult to get those features implemented on this box. So this caters typically to your campus network environments. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I need to follow up on. Um, Len had some great questions around the physical layer, so I I needed to jump in on that as well because I I don't like overlooking the the physical layer. Going through the data sheet, it shows um, that there is um, support for added flexibility to choose the direction of airflow uh, in the fans. Was that something that was available in the in the H series of the 9500? And if not, was that, um, was that requested by customers or what was the thought process be behind adding in that support in the X series? So, um, Nina, again, I'll start, but feel free to chime in sure. if you have anything to add, right? So, this is again um, a common uh, sort of ask coming from our customers, right? So, uh, the, the when they most of our customers are used to this hot aisle, cold aisle kind of environments, right? When they're deploying their networks, so and that's where they need this flexibility to be able to deploy the switch in either of the directions, and that is where uh, and it's not always possible, and that is where you know this airflow. Um, sort of changing the direction of airflow is comes in very handy to those customers, right? And this has been an ask, and we have introduced this uh, to make sure that this the the big ask is covered um, in our uh, X series portfolio. 
So that is why you'll see that, um, you know, we have both options now back to front or front to back. Yep. Just adding to what Iqbal said. So we have two different PIDs for our fan tray units, one for back to front and one for front to back. So when you're placing the order for the switch, uh, you need to place the order for the right fan tray unit corresponding to the airflow direction that you want according to your rack space requirements. One thing that I, I wanted to bring up as we start thinking about closing this out is I wanted, I want to circle back on the use case. So you had mentioned earlier, you did a really good comparison on the migration path from 6k to 9k. If somebody had the, the traditional 6k, then they went into the, the H model of the 9,500. And if they had the XL model, then the 9,500 X would be a good fit. So if if i'm a customer that has the h model and and that meets all of my needs and i have a new site or a new use case that's very similar to what i'm doing already going forward would i still be able to rely on the 9500h being there as a long-term option in the portfolio or should i start looking at the x even if i don't need the scale uh, that the x provides with the silicon one platform you want to take that, uh, Ninat? Yeah, sure, I can take that. Uh, again, it's a great question, right? And again, I want to just repeat what Iqbal said right at the beginning of this episode. Uh, the 9500 High Performance Series, or the H, uh, is meant to complement the 9500X. So if you have a 9500H running in your network and it does everything that you need it to do, you got nothing to worry about. We are not taking away the support for it. We're going to continue to invest in our hedge portfolio by developing features for it in the over the coming years. So that's not going anywhere. Great, thank you. So I was reading through. There's a lot of features on this uh, a device that we're we're supporting today. Um, one of the things I find interesting is IPsec um, and NAT. Um, why are we including that on this type of device, and where do you see that being used? Uh, Iqbal, I'll take that. I'll start things through, and you can pitch in if uh, if I miss anything, right? Uh, so again, it's it's an excellent question because we we didn't touch base upon the positioning aspect of the box uh, uh, over the course of this uh, session. Uh, if you look at our uh, H, the high performance uh, series of models that we had, which was powered by the UADP3, we typically position these boxes as a core device. Uh, what we want to do with this particular box is we want to give the option to the customer to position this either as a core box or as an edge box, right? And when you position a particular uh, switch as an edge device, it brings its own unique challenges. One of it is uh, we touched upon the buffering requirements because typically you would have lower speed uh, links going out into the WAN network and you would have higher speed links going into your own, the internal network, and which is where the dual buffering model comes into picture. Now, coming to your question, where does IPsec slot into this? Now, as an edge device, you would typically you would like it to connect to either a site on the remote side or a network cloud uh, uh, on the other side. And this is where our uh, IPsec support comes into the picture. So we had already introduced IPsec support on a 9300 and the 9400 series of boxes. And now with the 9500X 60L40 for the first time in a campus core box where it, we are adding support for uh, the IPsec capability. Hardware-based IPsec capability. So you're saying that I could have this setting in a core type situation, and I could build an express route, running full BGP tables back to a cloud type service. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. 
That could be pretty handy, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before I close, Iqbal, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to address uh, before we close? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I just wanted to, I think we covered a lot of good topics uh, today and thanks for all the uh, great questions and interactive uh, session guys. I, I think I just wanted to add or reiterate um, the point about, you know, what happens to the 9500H when we have the X and this is a typical question we'll get pretty much every time we bring in a new product, right? What happened to my old product? Is, is it going away or is it gonna be around, right? So I just wanted to add or reiterate that, you know, we have product to meet the demands and requirements of all of our customers, right? Um, we have, our customers have more flexibility than ever before in choosing the right product for the job, right? Before, um, you know, we did not have as many products. So now we have much more offering for different needs, right? So I mean, if, if customer needs, to run a standard regular type of uh, network in which case you know our 9500h portfolio um, sort of addresses their needs at the same time for our customers who need relatively higher scale buffer and density uh, we have products such as 9500x now right um, both the 9500h and the 9500x portfolio complement each other and offer products uh, for the variety of port densities, right? 10, 25, 50, and then with the X series, now we have uplinks up to 400 gig as well, right? In the case of H, we have uh, we only had 100 gig uplinks. So, with, so both of these offer a variety of port densities from 10, 25, 50, and all the way you know, to 100 and, and 400 in case of X series, right? And, and which basically covers now any sort of density requirements you have and any sort of buffer scale requirements you have. So just wanted to close with that, uh, Emily. Fantastic. All right. Great conversation to our listeners. If you want to continue learning on today's topic, check out the resources provided in the show notes below. And of course, I have to give you a weekly reminder. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform to receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week. Bye. <laughs>